Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw. I'm here with Michael Shutt. It is Monday, September 18th. We are recording this right before the Panthers play on Monday Night Football, so we have a time limit. That's right. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Is that what you drank as a Panthers fan pregame? No. Bojangles, sweet tea. Mm. Yeah. Same, same effect. I'm waiting for Petey Pablo to come on. Mm. That'll, be, that'll be the sign that we That's have to wrap you know. up. That's when you know we're ready to roll. So week three. Week three. It looked Lived like up to its billing. I was going to say it looked like going into the week it wasn't going to be very good. Then there were a lot of close calls that really made things interesting for a little while, but then ultimately only Tennessee was upset. Everybody else seemed to survive on some scares. Yeah, did just enough or uh you know across the board to ruin some bets. I'm sure not just for me. I'm sure there's lots of people out there who uh had a rough day on Saturday in in betting land, but uh, Tennessee definitely let me down. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I literally lost every single bet I placed. So. Oh, that's not good. It wasn't great, but uh, had a decent day yesterday with some NFL stuff. So we're still swimming. The Tennessee game, I had bet on them preseason. Mm-hmm. I had put them in a teaser because I just thought they were way better than Florida, and then that was only confirmed by the fact that Florida played such a stinker of a game against Utah. Yeah. But then the line didn't move. It was like stuck right at seven, and mm. then started moving towards Florida. And mm. that's when I got really worried pregame, because I was like, "What? what is going on here? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody thinks Florida's any good. Tennessee has Joe Milton, can throw an orange 100 yards. Seems like that's the way to go, and... Florida came out and played their best game of the season, and I will say there were some calls in that game that were kind of atrocious. Yeah. When you have Kirk Herbstreet complaining about referees, you right. know something is going on. But Florida deservedly wins that game. Yeah. I um, still haven't decided whether I'm impressed by Florida in that and like feel better about them than I did going in or if I'm a little worried about Tennessee, right? You kind of think about like Tennessee ultimately was able to – comfortably handle UVA but kind of got to a slow start in that game and they looked a little sluggish against Austin P week two and now losing to Florida maybe this team just isn't quite as good as we thought maybe this is kind of a down year for some of these SEC teams there was a little bit of wobble to the yeah. SEC yeah Georgia was down by 11 points at the half Alabama played an absolute gross 17 to 3 game against South Florida which I want to talk about a little bit more. Did but. they hire Brian Ferentz in <laughs> in the middle of the week and bring him in? Hey, Brian Ferentz did his job. Speaking of which, just as an aside, found this out by somebody who posted online. At this point with 41 points for those of you keeping score at home, Brian Ferentz to keep his job has to average 25 points per game for Iowa mm. during the regular season. He now has a total that allows him through three games to hit exactly 24 points the rest of the year. If he hits 24 points in every subsequent game, he will meet the target, having only been over 25 points one time. Yeah. I think this is like math in. Yes, it is math. I think this is like guaranteed to happen now. I think Iowa is just going to hit 24 every single game. You think so? Well, they're not going to do it this coming week, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit. The defensive scores count for him. 
It's really bad. Yeah. Punt returns. Because they've had a couple. Team snaps the ball out of the end zone. Bad. Bad. It should be just offensive points. Like, let's... That that would not be difficult math to do, to take out the non-offensive points. And, like, if you're evaluating your offensive coordinator, a pick six shouldn't count for him. I Like, that... I don't know. The whole thing is flawed. It's stupid. But I enjoy it, and um, we'll circle back to that for sure. It is the equivalent of setting up a chore jar for your family, mm. and then you pick one out, and you're like, oh, this one says, uh, you know, put the cushions back on the couch. Yeah. Uh, yours was clean the toilet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, he's just got, I like, the it. easiest, lowest level things to achieve. Yeah. It's still kind of in doubt. Just be competent, and you can keep your nepo job mm-hmm. well let's um go ahead and get it out of the way you didn't really have a fun week three game for your school it was fun for a little while it, it was, was fun for like three quarters it was extremely fun yeah at and the very then, beginning it was like yeah looked like you guys were going on gangbusters on them right yeah uva came out and played really well jumped out to a 14 point lead against maryland at maryland then some small little mistakes some turn out to be bigger than others, but just like really small little things end up snowballing, I think, for UVA. So Anthony Calandria was playing. He was playing really well from my perspective. He has like a scramble up the middle that probably is going to go for like a 50-yard touchdown, and he just kind of trips over a lineman's foot. So that was one ends up resulting in no points. They have a situation where Maryland is backed up at like the two-yard line, gets hit in the end zone, by the defense, but like a second effort manages to get out. Maryland goes all the way down the field and scores rather than it being a safety for UVA. We have a beautiful scramble throw down the field to Malachi Fields. Perfect dime throw, like 50-yard throw right through the wickets. Can't bring it in. Probably would have been a touchdown or at least would have put UVA in scoring position. And then in the very end of the game, Calandry, after playing super well, throws a pretty bad interception, the late interception, but reasonable and that's snowballs for UVA, and he throws interceptions on three consecutive passes. I think UVA just doesn't have the talent on the roster to make those kind of mistakes. right? You, When you're playing a team that's better than you, you have to be competent. And they were competent for three quarters, but not enough in the fourth. So, And, and that's the thing about Calandria. Everyone was expecting Musket to play. Kind of got held out right at the last minute because he was still having shoulder pain. And this is what you're going to get from a true freshman. You're going to get signs of brilliance, but then you're also going to get a situation where he turns the ball over four times in the fourth quarter. So take the good with the bad. I'm not I'm not super upset about it. I was happy the way they played for three quarters. It's disappointing to see the score at the end where it looked like it was a blowout when the game really wasn't. But at the same time, what do you expect? Like they, They're undermanned. Definitely signs from Calandria that are positive, but also you can see why a situation where Tony Elliott would have wanted to go to Tony Musket, like somebody who has more experience, has more poise, maybe less likely to make those mistakes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I just I feel like so far this season, I mean, the Tennessee game, maybe notwithstanding just because the talent gap in that game was so large, but JMU game and then this game this past weekend, it feels like the story so far for UVA is a lot of small mistakes that add up, right? Drop passes. They're, I mean, they're still just all the things that you mentioned in this past game. Like there's just, it feels like 
little plays that as a fan can be super frustrating because you can do the, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda thing. And like, well, if this one thing had changed, you know, and, and I think that's really, really difficult and, but also can be encouraging, right? That this team is, is closer to, you know, the level that I think fans want to see them at then maybe a lot of fans are willing to admit. I mean, again, like we talked about this uh, with Chris several weeks back. I mean, Bronco started 2-10 and 10 in his first 12. Tony Elliott 3-9 and nine in his first 12. Like this isn't unprecedented that he could still turn some things around. And I know that, uh, you know, a lot of fans are really impatient and uh, just in general, not even just UVA fans, sports fans are impatient. Honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like there's an element to this of like the basketball success has maybe ruined football for UVA mm-hmm. fans because there's this I've kind of been trying to figure out for the last several months like why and I don't mean this as a slight or anything, but like why UVA fans expect so much from their football program when just objectively over the last couple of decades that really hasn't been there like at the level that it sounds like people are expecting and and you know again I'm not trying to say like I don't mean that as an insult to UVA but it's just reality and I get it like in the conference championship game not that long ago but that wasn't like the norm right so like it almost just feels like there's a an impatience, a, a, a desire for more than I think maybe is there. But look, I, I am encouraged when I see this team as a non-UVA fan. Like, I think this team could be really good. It's going to take a little bit more time. And I'm worried that fans aren't going to give Tony Elliott the time he needs, which means – and the average fan doesn't have that power, but does it extend to your significant boosters, which then put pressure on the athletic department to not be as patient with him – as maybe they need to be. But that's just kind of my perspective on it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think what I've seen online, sometimes how people respond on Twitter or on message boards is not real life. You know, and then, like you said, there's a big difference between very vocal fans online and boosters who actually help make decisions and have influence within an athletic department. But I think you're right. Like, there are a lot of people that seem very frustrated at this and are ready to pull the plug given very limited evidence and I get it that there is you know you see some a team like Colorado that was bad last year and brings in a whole bunch of new people and it works immediately and you're like why can't we beat that they're the exception Mm -hmm. so many teams struggle and have not yet figured out what they're going to do with portal situation NIL situation and I get that fans are frustrated. I get that fans have seen success in so many other sports at UVA. And I think that's part of it, too. I mean, soccer's good. Lacrosse is good. Field hockey's good. Swimming's good. Everything's good. Why can't football be good, too? I mean, it's difficult. It's It, it really is difficult. There have been significant investments made. That, like the football building that they're finishing up in the next couple of years is going to be a boon, I think, for the overall program. But, yeah, I just think fans seem frustrated i think there are a lot of different reasons for that but i've seen a lot of people just wishing that bronco was back uva didn't force bronco out bronco left like that was his decision to do that it was totally his decision so we were on a decent trajectory with him but he decided to leave and that creates turmoil with any program you can look at tech's program too 
it's not like they have a new coach that showed up and immediately is wildly successful. Right. Like he's struggling as well. It, it, that's the situation for a lot of new coaches in their second year. You have to give people enough time to actually see if it works mm-hmm. or not. Like if, if we're going to be a fan base that just pulls the plug after two years, we're going to be in the wilderness for a while. I mean, Nebraska going to be NC state basketball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean honestly, right. Like it, are, are you happy with the level of success that you had pulling the plug every few years? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is where I get a little bit frustrated at fans that are loud. I, I think that there is a big difference between the people on one end who are like, we have to fire Tony Elliott, mm-hmm. pull the plug. And then the other end is like, you're not supporting the team. If you have any questions or anything negative to say, I think it's reasonable to say some things aren't working and need to change but at the same time like it's been 12 games yeah and i think like there is an element to this that i always kind of preach this patience especially with coaches like tony elliott who need i remind people he's never been a head coach so yeah maybe he's figuring some stuff out carla williams and the rest of that athletic department knew that when they hired him right so my hope is that they would be patient and, and understand that like there is some stuff he's learning. And let's, again, not forget how his first season as a head coach ended. There's so much working against fast success here. And I think what he's done in terms of putting this program in a position to continue playing, to you know be as resilient as those kids have been, like, you don't do that without good leadership. You just don't. And I think that – I don't know he's the guy who would, like, take UVA to a damn national championship. Like, I, that may never happen, right? Like, who knows? But I think he deserves another year or two to see how he builds this together and, and what it looks like. And I think this is where – it's interesting because you brought up tech. And to me, these programs are in a very similar spot. And the parallels are super interesting because with UVA, you've got Anthony Calandria who provides you some excitement and you're kind of like, okay, maybe there's something to work with here. And you look at Virginia Tech and, and I mean, they got beat pretty solidly by Rutgers this past week, but it looks like they found a little bit of an exciting element in their offense by starting drones at quarterback because Grant Wells was out. And I get it. I think Des Kitchings said this this past week. He's like, we don't like the idea of Tony Musket losing a starting job because he got hurt. That's not – and I respect that. I think there's something valid to that. Same deal with Grant Wells and, and uh, down in Blacksburg. But at the same time, if you found something that gives your team a little extra oomph. So, like, with Tech, drones at quarterback, the RPO, his dual threat ability, like, there's something there that gives your team something – to look forward to your fan base, something to hold on to. It's tempting to definitely stay with that. So we can move on, but, but quick question for you as a UVA fan, you still rolling with Calandria? I am. I mean, at this point I would love to see more. I get it that we haven't seen what musket can provide and it's not like muskets one and done. So like, right. You can build on musket next year too, potentially, but I like what I've seen from Calandria. I'd like to see him get the chance to bounce back from three interceptions. You could see that he was rattled at the end of that game and was making freshman mistakes. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him play out of that and 
figure out opportunities. It may not be every single possession, though. I'd like to see both of them, honestly. Yeah. In an era where we have Oklahoma State rolling with three quarterbacks is just part of what they do. Why not play both? Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think that that is as bad as it used to be. That like if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Like I just don't see that anymore. I would love to see both. I think they play different styles and can give UVA something different in different games. Yeah. I will say this going into this week, just thinking of this, not just as a state fan, but just like watching ACC football. If Tony Musket is not 100%, you do not want to roll him out there no. against the Cincy State defense. With with that O-line, like I'm just, I'm again, not even trying to talk but like he will get obliterated. And Calandria at least has a little bit more – I guess, escapability, a little bit more mobility out of the pocket. So, you know, maybe that gives him more of a chance to stay upright. But I just, man, if that guy's still got shoulder pain, you really want, like, Davin Van and Brandon Cleveland and Peyton Wilson coming after him. I mean, honestly, if he plays, what will happen is my prediction. Peyton Wilson, Saxon, they both separate their shoulder. Like, because <laughs> that's just how it's been going. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I tend to gravitate towards – playing the young guy when you're in a position where you've started the season 0-3. You're not favored this week. You know, schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier right, moving forward. I, I would want to kind of see what you got. The last two things I would say, and then we can move on to other topics. One is that Calandria has now two of the, or the two all-time best passing performances yards-wise from a freshman in UVA with Jamil Sewell being at third. So already just like showed up. That's not what you ex expect from a UVA freshman right. at all right. in any situation. That's cool. The, the other thing I see so many people say the comparison to Mike Elko at Duke, and this is a guy that's in his second year and Elko is, you know, and Tony Elliott were kind of in the same class of coaches that Duke was looking at conceivably hiring. And I think I don't think that's the right analogy because Duke had so many players. The David Cutcliffe left the system much better, I think, than uh, was left for Tony Elliott. I think the better comparison is Dave Clawson mm -hmm. at Wake Forest, who showed up really with nothing, no expectations, no history of you know prolonged success at Wake Forest. His first two years, he was three and nine, three and nine. Then finally got them to seven and six, and they kind of wandered in that like just above 500 era for like several years before finally breaking through. I mean, he had been there for like eight years before Wake Forest finally broke through and won the conference. So, I mean, that's what it takes for a lot of programs. Like we're not Texas, we're not Georgia, or we're not Colorado where you can just say, hey, come here and immediately turn things around. It does take time and it requires an investment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think and kind of thinking through some other stuff we saw in week three, especially in the ACC, right? I think there's a couple of programs right now that are reaping the benefit of being patient and kind of building up. So there were state fans clamoring for Dave Doran after a couple of years. Like they, we weren't seeing the results we wanted get him out of here. It's hard to say that you can't be happy with where we're at now. I mean, this past game, like you beat VMI yawn, who cares? Brennan looked good. Who cares? Defense still has to shore up like some of the big play stuff, but they look good most of the game in every game. And the fact that expectations are there where it's like there are fans. I saw fans upset that NC State only beat VMI 45 to 7. 
And I'm like, I mean, this is this is the thing. Fan, like Chris, right. Chris says this all the time. Fans, Fans gonna, gonna fan. fan. Yeah. And I I totally agree with this. Like it is ridiculous. People are so defensive of their teams on one end. Like I've seen people who were pointing out that Texas had a tough time with Wyoming for three quarters this past weekend, and we're getting all punchy about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's one end, and the other end is just like fire everybody at the yeah. first sign of trouble. People people are upset at Nick Saban right now for a tough two game stretch where they went one and one. Mm-hmm. Like what? I don't well, know. And this is the thing is like, I, I actually see this a lot with NC state fans right now because beginning of the season, the offensive output against UConn wasn't as big as people wanted it to be. The offense didn't look that great against Notre Dame. When I look at VMI, yes, the competition is lower, but your top running back and your top receiver are both freshmen in that game. So this tells me something you have young players. It takes them some time to adjust to the college game. So like in the running game, Kendrick Raphael for NC State prior to this past week had four offensive touches total. And he ends up leading rusher, 16 carries, 85 yards, has the play of the week. He hurdles two VMI defenders like it was unreal. And then Kevin Concepcion is going to be the best receiver in the ACC in a couple of years. Like I'm just telling you, this dude is unreal. Um, you can see the flashes. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. He's not one of those like, Luther Burden in Missouri, who just immediately is unreal. He's not one of these Alabama kids, but like it's going to come. And then again, you're thinking about patience. Florida State and Mike Norvell, it took a couple years. And yes, they struggled with Boston College. And I understand, like, you know, it took a lot of, it took a lot of Boston College mistakes for Florida State to walk away with a win there. But just a couple years ago, some of those Knowles fans were looking at this like, are we, like what is this? You know, we're never going to get back to the to the greatness that we were. But you stick with them a little bit. Let a guy recruit for a few years. Build out their personnel. Do what they want to do, and you can be in a really good spot. That game was crazy, though. I I mean, that is ridiculous. They got outgained in every category, and it, if it were not for Boston College just getting penalized with eighteen penalties, school record. 18. Yeah. They probably have a chance to win the game at the end. And a missed extra point and a failed two-point conversion. And when they were down 15, they were on the five-yard line, fourth down, and they, they didn't kick a field goal and ended up losing by two. I'll tell you what, though. They got somebody at quarterback. Castellanos. What happened to Phil Jerkovich? Hey. Wait, is he still <laughs> playing? How's he you doing? You know what? My favorite thing on Saturday. These games suck. Is it the beanie quote? No. Actually, this this one, I didn't even mention this to you, but it came from you. I was at work Saturday night kind of ignoring some of these games, and I think this happened on my way home or something. I know I just wasn't watching the the Backyard Brawl at that time. I think I was on my way home. I had a text from you that just said, Jerkovich suck (laughs) (laughs) and I have it in my notes right here I literally just wrote Jerkovich suck because I have been beating this drum definitely on this show since we started not saying you disagreed with me just saying like this has been a, a take that I have had since he was at BC can we stop as like sports media not saying we're in that but we're not we're definitely not no but like you watch anything about Pitt going into this year, and, and even now, like I'm sure next week it'll still happen. Somebody is going to go on there and be like, well, Phil Jerkovich is a really talented quarterback. How about no? 
I'm sorry, but the body of evidence just doesn't suggest that. I have nothing personal against the guy. I'm not trying to be mean, anything like that. I'm just saying he's not that good. So you look at Boston College now without him, and this kid Castellanos puts up 305 in a touchdown, runs for 95 in a touchdown, and now suddenly they look dangerous. They're not good, but they look dangerous. All they do is play close games. All their games are within three points. And if it's going to be a close game and my quarterback's putting up almost 300 and 100, I'll take it. Like That means I might have a shot because then if I just commit 17 penalties instead of 18, we win the game. Quite literally, <laughs> that 18th penalty lost them the game. Yeah, yep. So I'm sorry, Phil Jerkovic. I'm, I, I genuinely, I'm sure he's a great guy. I, I, well, I'm not. I have no idea. But like he might be <laughs> the, a great he's guy. He's got the word jerk in his last name, so he might not be great. But Jerkovic suck. Yeah. This was a great weekend for both of us to be able to say that we were right about different things. Yeah. I think we get to claim some rightness. I get to claim some rightness on my lock of last episode, which was Missouri, for no reason at all, going to yeah. win that game on a 61-yard field goal. Amazing. Um, this is a kid who... That they shouldn't... Didn't, wasn't it only 61 because like a delay of game? Or they yeah, they were at fi- no, they were at 56, and they couldn't yeah. get organized, and yeah. so they had to take a delay of game. <laughs> they were like, 56? Too easy. Let's back <laughs> it up. Let's back it up. The 61 yards. Crazy. Yeah. I was with a Missouri fan. We were on the golf course while that was happening, and he was losing his mind. Mm. Uh, that was an amazing play. And this is a kid who last year missed a critical kick in a game, and fans have hated him. Like it was against Auburn. Fans have mm. hated him for like an entire year and then makes that kick. Yeah. So that's my like, I get to be. I love it. Run to the smell. I have another one of those for this week. Okay. But before I, before we get to that, though, I want to talk about my favorite game of the week. Yeah. Did you see what happened between Portland State, the Vikings, and North American University? I saw that they just absolutely obliterated them. Yeah. First of all. Trivia question. Do you know where North American University is? I'll give you a hint. They're the Stallions. Okay, so Texas. That's, that is correct. They are Texas. Uh, am I supposed to guess where in Texas? Uh, I don't I don't know that. It's near Galveston, I think. Okay. Like a suburb of Galveston. But sure. anyway. That doesn't, uh, can I just tell you, my knowledge of Texas geography, <laughs> not great, because that did not help me. East. Sure. Okay. So... A 91-0 to zero game mm-hmm. between Portland State, which is a team that lost to Oregon by like 81-0. Yeah, 81-3 yeah. or 81-0. Oh, they did zero. score, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so by the transitive property, mm. not a good showing for Oregon if North American University ever played. They're a Division II school, which I think is but important to know. That could be like the the... Maybe they should play. Let's set a new record. I'm tired of hearing about Georgia Tech and Cumberland College. <laughs> This was, this is a real way to get people to pay attention to the That's Bo right. Nix Heisman That's campaign right. is to play this game. But the box score of this game is like my favorite thing that's mm. ever happened. So ninety one to zero, it was ninety one to zero in the third quarter. Also, yeah. So they just like completely took off the fourth quarter. North American University had two first downs in the entire game, rushing negative forty nine yards. Not great. Portland State also had 10 penalties for 100 yards. So despite all those penalties, they still only got two first downs. Like, that doesn't even give them first downs. Yeah. Like, no gifted first downs. Their uh, yards per pass, 
you know, you want to be in like the nine, mm. you know, that's, Ideally. that's, that's like pretty efficient seven for some teams that play short 1.2 <laughs> yards per pass with two interceptions. Oh boy. You know, that's not even like back to the line of scrimmage on a three-step drop. That's, no, that's it's not like, <laughs> I mean, for them, I hope Ew. they got paid a decent amount for that game, but. Yeah, I'm sure they got something. But like it's not like Portland State has like a huge budget to you know mm. deal a big payout. The best part of this though, time of possession. North American University, 31 minutes 55 seconds. They won the time of possession. Hey, you got to listen. You got to hang your hat on something. Go Stallions. That's right. Really just dominating the the clock. You know, playing a little four corners. <laughs> It's still uh, down 91 nothing. Stre- stretch the game out a little bit. Give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. In case you hit that 92-yard, 92-point field goal. What you could do is, you know, when I was younger, sometimes you're down in Madden in the fourth quarter, and you just you just nuke the difficulty down all the way. Mm. See what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about one more thing from week three before okay. we move on to looking ahead to the future. And it's something yep. that, honestly nobody's talking about and i can't believe no one's talking is it colorado it is yeah oh yeah no one no one mentions them they're not in the media yeah so i stayed up till almost 3 a.m watching that game Mm -hmm. semi forgetting that i had work the next day but that was a fun one and look is colorado state a good football team not really they got a couple dudes did uh did i predict that they were going to cover that 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 spread was pretty big i think you did i think i did have that yeah Anyway, continue. Which I was fine with. I was kind of on board with you until we had the, the whole comments. sunglasses. Yeah, that was thing, really dumb. Which now I was... he says it's not about Dion. And anyway, I don't even want to get into all no. that. I don't want to give that any more air time because people are talking about that. I want to talk about the actual football. I don't want to talk about Lil Wayne and Offset on the sideline. That's not like that's fine. It's all cool. Kawhi Leonard it's was there. Yeah, which like you get him coming out to have fun. That's wild. He doesn't even show up for his own games. That's right. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, like, all that is cool. There's some cultural significance to all of that. I'm not downplaying it, but it's getting plenty of airtime. I want to talk about the actual football here because Colorado State, not very good. However, take all of that out. Colorado had not been in a point in the season yet where they'd really been put into a corner. The TCU game, they played well. They, they weren't like – they didn't have to come back at the end to win it or anything like that. And then they come out against Nebraska and in the second half especially just kind of open things up. But this game, Colorado is down eight with less than two minutes to go on their own two-yard line. And Shador Sanders, Heisman Shador Sanders, maybe. I don't know. Certainly doesn't hurt. Takes that team all the way down the field, scores – converts a two-point conversion, they go to overtime, Colorado State still not backing down in overtime. Like, it wasn't easy once you got there. I kind of thought watching it, once they did that, I thought, oh, they've broken Colorado State's will. It's going to go to overtime, and this thing's going to be done. Oh, yeah, by the way, they're doing all of this without Travis Hunter because dude's in the hospital because of an absolutely disgusting late hit that, like, there's no place for now, the guy, the kid shouldn't be getting death threats, but that's a different story. And Colorado goes into overtime, goes into double overtime, and manages to pull this thing out. To me, this is incredibly impressive. I am always looking for this from 
teams that may be really good. I don't think Colorado's there yet. Dion doesn't think Colorado's there yet. He's has said explicitly that they are like he has actually said specifically they are seven dudes away. I don't know what those seven dudes are, who they are, what positions they play, but he said I need seven more dogs and then we're going to be good. They're 3 and 0. They've passed some tests early. Are they like again, are they the hardest tests in the world? No. This is not a top 10 team yet, but we're about to find out. They got Oregon and USC the next two weeks. Right. And USC at 9 a.m. And that's a ridiculous. That's so, ridiculous. So dumb. But I don't know. This team might be legit. Definitely going to get the over on their win total. They just got to win one more game, right? That's right. So yeah, it was at three and a half. Yeah. I'm not saying this is going to be like Pac-12 champion team or, you know, definitely not national championship team right now. But especially if they get Travis Hunter back, and I haven't seen any updates on that, but especially if they get him back, this team is is a definite bowl team and should scare just about anybody that has them on their schedule. And like, we're focusing a little too much on the hype train and all the Coach Prime stuff. Let's talk about these kids that are playing their out of their minds. Shador Sanders is a legit quarterback. He is going to be a good pro quarterback. Like you can see it. You watch him. He's got everything you want. And I just, I think that element of it is maybe not being talked about it enough. I kind of said it sarcastically to start, but there is a piece to this that I'm like, we might be focusing on the wrong things here. Like these kids are, they can play. My take on this is that it is by design. Dion is I don't, I don't even mean this in a negative way. He's an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. But he, like, he is one of the best self-promoters of all time. Like from his career, post-career, and now as a coach. But that does, I think, as much attention as they get, as much attention as that has brought to their program, I think it takes a little bit of the pressure in a strange way off of the players. Like There is a pressure to perform, because he will run you out of the program, apparently, yeah. if you don't. <laughs> but at the same time, like with all the cameras on him, I think that that makes it... Uh, it's an environment where players can actually thrive and play the, the style of play that they want to play. And so, look, I, I don't love Dion myself. There are things I like about him, things I don't like about him. I don't love the fact that he just showed up and ran a bunch of kids out of a program who... Sure. You know, there are student athletes, even though people make fun of that and saying, hey, get out basically to a bunch of people who have established themselves. You know, there, there are players that actually did want a degree there and did want to continue play football and had to move. So mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. But that is also the reality of college football. At the same time, I find his ability to be not necessarily truthful, but just open with the media. Very refreshing in an era when you have all of these coaches who just say the most banal things no, we can't give anybody any kind of like bulletin board material fact is like after the game he was like you have to be happy with a w no matter how it comes truthfully at one point in the game i said we can't let this dude win there is no way we let this dude win his press conference is going to be unbearable if we let this dude win that's hilarious yeah and also true like as a fan we think that way all the time oh, like, oh my god i can't stand the thought of this guy talking Dabble. about a win I was thinking of Brian Kelly, actually, I when I was saying I, that. But, either yeah. one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I am on the opposite end of this. I kind of love I, I love Dion, and that's probably not surprising at all, right? I, I am a 
talker and I love the way he carries himself and I understand the the concerns about the way he kind of ran some kids out of that program. I'm not giving him a pass on that necessarily. Like that's not great, but you know, at the same time, like it's his job to win football games and it's his job to put the kids that are there, even if it's the kids that he brought in, in a position to succeed. And that team is made up of a bunch of dudes who were just looking for the right opportunity. Like some of them, like Travis Hunter could have gone anywhere. Shador probably could have gone to some other places, but honestly, like he wasn't the most highly thought of quarterback recruit. And and all you saw when he was at Jackson State is people saying, well, he's only doing this because he's at a lower level, you know, HBCU. Now he's doing it in the Pac-12. And if he picks apart Oregon and USC in these next two games, now it's not that hard to pick apart USC's defense. But if he starts to do it against really high-level competition – which he already kind of did, by the way, because TCU and Nebraska have really good defenses. So does Colorado State, and he managed to make plays when he needed to. We need to start talking about this kid as Heisman candidate for sure, which that conversation is happening, but also first-rounder, top-ten type talent. I was impressed with him in the pocket. You've seen a lot of him on the move and stuff like that. His poise in the pocket is actually where he's at his best. And so it's hard for me to kind of find a really good kind of comparison for him he's so dynamic yeah I just I have a lot of faith in him and they kind of have to figure out some other other playmakers especially if Travis Hunter is going to be out for a while yeah I think the main thing about them is the defense like is their defense good enough to actually contend in the Pac-12 their offense is clearly good enough and Sanders doesn't make mistakes like as the moment does not seem too big for him, he does not make the kind of mistakes that you would think you would see from somebody playing up a level in a power five conference. Yeah. So should we talk about this coming week? Yeah, boy, did we upgrade in terms of game, the slate of games. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really good weekend. This is one to like put your phone on mute. Hope you did all your chores last week and just like, pretend you have COVID or something and yeah. stay on the couch and watch football wall to wall. Cause there's going to be a lot of good games. Let's start with the ACC. Okay. Because the ACC has some pretty good games as well. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Starting on Friday. Yeah. It's the preferred walk-ons bowl between right. your NC state Wolfpack and Virginia. NC state is favored by nine and a half. The game will be broadcast on ESPN. Brennan Armstrong comes home. I think Tony Musket's probably going to start for UVA because I think his shoulder, he was trending to start this past week. I think he'll be the starter for UVA. You're going to be at the game, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So in fan competition, I've won. Well, we got to play the game first, like, I think. No, like I'll be there and you're going That's true. to some I get to spend place. some a quality time with my family and my wife's family. So, so. I have won. I, they may be listening to this, so I have to say nice things. Yeah. I'm excited to be spending time with them. But you will also have a good time yeah. at the game. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, like, State should win this game, right? This is, like, we're obviously favored. And I think very clearly through three games, the better team. How much better? I don't know. And could State lay an egg? Yeah. Is, there's, is there a possibility that Brandon Armstrong goes into Scott Stadium and, like, <laughs> his pants? Maybe. I, I Like, the UVA fans are going to be fired up. I know that. They're going to bring it. And, and I've criticized that fan base a lot and 
have been less than impressed at some football games. Quite honestly, like I've been to a Virginia, Virginia Tech football game at Scott Stadium. I almost expect more from UVA fans in this game because there's a very personal element to it with Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I. So I'm expecting a really kind of wild environment. Uh, I hope UVA fans make those expectations accurate. I want it to be wild. Um, I love that. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think this will be, like I said earlier, the state defense can be susceptible to big plays. UVA is going to have to make some big plays uh, if they want to have a shot here. Quick passing game could be something we could be vulnerable to. So Tony Musket tends to be pretty good at getting the ball out quick. And I think that that could be something that neutralizes some of the pass rush, some of the pressure packages that Tony Gibson draws up for the NC State defense. Um, that being said, like secondary is pretty damn good too. I have a hard time seeing UVA's offense able to produce a ton. And I I got to say, if, if, if Brennan was a little younger, I would lean more toward the pressure might get to him of the situation. But this is an experienced quarterback. And... Um, he's been really focused on playing mistake-free football, and I really think that this is going to be a comfortable NC State win. I think if UVA had a couple more dudes, this yeah. would be a very interesting game. 100%. I agree Especially with you. Especially on the O line. If- I agree with you that NC State is likely going to cover. If forced to bet on this, I would say NC State is going to cover ten points. Although I think it could be interesting for a long time. I was looking at the overall stats for NC State offensively they've been very meh yeah i mean they're they have the completion percentage is 112th in the country right now so that's not great they haven't been able to really establish the run like any of the teams that uva has played so far this year yards per rush is under four which is 74th in the country points per game 24 points per game 76th in the country so it's not like world beating the defense is really good at sacking the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like they are a elite at getting to the quarterback pass rush. But the rest of their stats don't look all that great compared to some of the NC State years of past. Like they have allowed a lot of teams to be able to rush on them, like 5.2 yards per rush. And a lot of that is based on big plays that they've say, given up you to Notre a, Dame in particular. And UConn had a 72-yard yep. rush. That's always going to inflate that. Right. I, and I get that. I'm just saying it's not as much like NC State has had the, you know what you're getting on the defense. Mm-hmm. If the offense can just be competent, they're going to win the game. Yeah. That it, it, it has not been that way this year. So it, it gives me more pause long-term for what I would expect to see out of them. Again, I don't think it'll matter in this game. I think Brennan Armstrong... For all of his faults, I think he will come correct in this game. And I think he will play really, really well. And I expect NC State to win. But I think, you know, a couple more guys, and I think this would be interesting. Oh, I, I agree. I, I'm honestly trying to be the optimistic fan here in all the conversation out of Raleigh has been that, like, this VMI win was not important because you beat VMI, but because it built confidence, especially in young guys. Who knows if that results in anything i i think it's gonna be fun i think it it could potentially be a close game going into the second half we'll see i I don't think that state's gonna come in and just like blow them out i think they do cover but i think it comes late right i think that it's gonna be one of those things where some plays get made in the fourth quarter maybe to draw it out but um i expect for it to be a fun time so that's friday night we move to saturday at noon virginia tech Fresh off of a loss to Rutgers, 
gets to travel again to Marshall. As you mentioned earlier, Chiron Drones gave them a little bit of a step up over Grant Wells. I think most of the fan base is already on board with him continuing to play. This line started at about seven and has dropped down to five mm. uh, with Marshall being favored. The game will be on ESPN2. Virginia Tech is down multiple wide receivers. Their tight end, their best tight end, who is probably one of their best pass catchers yeah. out for the year, Nick Gallo. Kind of feel like Virginia Tech bounces back in this game. I feel like this is the game where Marshall's not the best team in the world. I know it's a tough place to play, but I feel like Virginia Tech, despite their injuries, Chiron Drones, I'm looking for him to have a big game for them, spark the offense. Yeah, again, this is another one very similar to the State-Virginia game. You know Grant Wells would love to play in this game. Tech fans would love for him not to. <laughs> and anybody watching on TV would love for him not to because I'm sorry, but that offense looks like it's 1905 when he plays because they just don't move the ball. Yeah, this one feels a little weird to me. I know Tech is 0-3. I know they're not off to a good start. This is The talent gap is still there in terms of where they need to be. But, like, Marshall, I, I don't know. I just I, – I'm not saying Marshall's terrible – they're not, but I do like the Hokies to bounce back here as well. You know, I just think that sometimes when receivers get hurt, offenses have to get a little bit more creative, spread the ball out a little bit. You know, you don't have a single playmaker to over-concentrate on. So sometimes that can be really good, makes an offense unpredictable. Yeah, I, I like Virginia Tech here. Uh, this could be a really interesting game, I think. But I do know, thinking about, like, Tech fans and uh, Marshall fans down in West Virginia. I, I'm not sure I'd want to be, or maybe I'd really want to be at this game. I'm not sure. One or the other. It's 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 an extreme on one end or the, or the other. Mm -hmm. I think the moonshine will be flowing. I'm always down for that. Yeah, let's, let's see how that goes. Let's do it. Also at noon on Saturday. This is on the ACC network. Army is at Syracuse. These are two teams that impressed me this past week. Syracuse, I wasn't sure what they would do finally playing a real team at Purdue, and they played really, really well. Garrett Schrader rushed for 195 yards and four touchdowns, rushed as wow. a quarterback. He was sacked four times and still averaged 7.8 yards per carry. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think Syracuse is going to win this game. I don't like having to lay 13 and a half points with them just because it's a service academy and Army runs the ball a million times. But at the same time, Syracuse is pretty good against the run. You know, it's interesting. We are just talking about Virginia Tech and their presumptive starting quarterback whose name is Drones. And now the Army's coming into Syracuse. We might see a different kind of drone strike here. Hmm. You like that? Yeah, I'm glad we waited that one out. <laughs> that wasn't what I was waiting for, but look, this Army team is actually like incredibly interesting because, yes, they do run the ball still a lot, but they kind of have like a dynamic passing game, which we haven't necessarily seen from them in the past. I like Army to cover here. I'm tempted to like Army to win. Interesting. But I definitely like them to cover. I, I just think... I don't trust Syracuse. I almost never have trusted Syracuse. And I just think this Army team is better than I think, you know, we're starting to see that people aren't giving them the credit for, you know, how good they may be. Syracuse, like, yeah, you're sitting there at 3-0, and but you've beaten Colgate, Western Michigan, and Purdue. 
I think the two three zone from Syracuse is gonna <laughs> give Army fits. I think they're gonna have a really tough time getting the ball in the interior. Yeah. Give well, me Syracuse on a teaser. I'm gonna tease that down under a touchdown. Tease it down. I definitely think like I, I see this most realistically is like if this were like Syracuse minus nine and a half, like if it were like the NC State line, I'd feel better about that. Mm. But two touchdowns, no way. Black Knights aren't letting that happen. Saturday at noon, ABC, the game of the day in the ACC. Florida State, number four in the country, getting all the accolades, now have to play at Clemson. The line opened at three and a half for the Knowles, and now it is down to one and a half, which is interesting. These two teams have played almost identically passing the ball this year. The passing yards are almost the same between Klubnik and Jordan Travis, but... Clemson has been actually better on defense. If you look at their stats, Florida State has averaged 391 yards allowed per game. Clemson, 246 yards per game. Granted, Florida State has played some tougher competition, but I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit like preseason. My bet was Clemson the whole way through, and I don't love that bet now, but I'm just going to stay with it. I feel like Florida State will lose this game. They may go on and win the ACC championship when they rematch in the final but i feel like this is the one clemson at home going to be a tough place to win i could see clemson taking this and losing in an acc championship game but you know i think if you're Dabo sweeney and the the clemson program you had to be watching that florida state boston college game and just thinking damn it this was the the almost this was the you know the struggle that florida state was going to have and and I just can't help but feel like this Florida State team, especially with an experienced quarterback in Jordan Travis, they're going to come in ready to roll. And, you know, they kind of had their scare. And I just feel like this team is going to be ready to go. Jordan Travis, is he healthy? He had a little bit of an injury scare with his ankle this past week. But by all accounts, he's ready to go. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I You know I don't like this Clemson team. I just think that, Obviously, if this were in Tallahassee, I would feel much better about it. It's harder because it's down in in Death Valley. But yeah, give me Florida State here to cover, especially as that line starts to shrink. I just think they are a a better team, and I think the gap is not small. I'm picking my cousin. Go Dabo. This is the one time a year I get to go for for Dabo. Just remember that while Clemson was losing to Duke, what was Florida State doing? beating LSU well I mean there was on different days they had already won okay they were resting (laughs) thank you uh resting because they had beaten LSU (laughs) already Saturday 3 30 on CBS Sports Network Duke is a 22 point favorite at UConn UConn is playing with their backup quarterback because their original quarterback got hurt and here's an interesting stat Taquan Robertson who's UConn's quarterback has a QBR of 9.1 against uh, Florida International University this past weekend. I think Duke's going to win this game. Hot take. Yeah, look, I'm just thrilled that this early in the season we're getting a preview of a potential Final Four matchup. And and if I already made a basketball <laughs> joke. <laughs> I know, but I made another one. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I love Duke. Next. Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a no. fun game to watch. I'm no. sorry. I'm not I'm not going to waste a whole lot of breath thinking about what UConn's going to do. Riley Leonard has been so good. He's only thrown one passing touchdown this year. Kind of weird. Yeah. He's really good. Also a great basketball player. Is he? Yeah. Oh, good. Come on, John Shire. Get him on the team. 
Saturday, also at 3.30, we have Miami, a 25-point favorite at Temple. The Owl Golden Bowl. Yeah. I also think Miami will win this game. Yes. Again, also a much better NCAA tournament game than it is a football game. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) are they going to win by 25? I don't know. This feels a little bit like we're giving Miami a big old line because we believe in them now because they they're back. I I don't know. Maybe it's a little more competitive than this, but Miami's going to win. So next. This will be Miami's first 4-0 start since 2017, if they can pull this off, which doesn't seem that long ago. The banner was. Yeah. Saturday, 3.30, ACC Network, Boston College, the team that only plays close games, traveling to Louisville, a 14-point favorite. The Cardinals are... Cardinals offense is 10th in the country in yards per game, even though Jack Plummer, their quarterback, may not be any good. (laughs) Jamari Thrash is very good as a wide receiver. He's averaging almost 110 receiving yards per game, which is 10th in the country, first in the ACC. But this is kind of weird. BC played a three-point game against NIU and lost, three-point game against Holy Cross and won, and then a two-point game against Florida State. I kind of think that this means that Holy Cross is better than Florida State. That's what I take oh. about this game. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to stay That's with a Boston weird College. Transitive property yeah, yeah. thing. But I mean, we they same opponent. They See, lost and Florida State won. Well, I mean, okay, then put <laughs> NIU in that situation. Same, okay. Then, same, I mean, sure. Same. Then NIU might be better than Florida State. Let's go. <laughs> go Huskies. Go Huskies, indeed. This line is too big. It's very big. Give me Boston College. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm riding on that. I, I yeah. I just think think that there was some belief preseason that Louisville was better than they are. Fourteen points is just a lot for a team that has just been in every game. And again, first two opponents weren't that great, but maybe there's a letdown from the Florida State game. I don't know. I don't love it. But if I if 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 forced to steal the phrase from you, if forced to bet on it, I would bet BC. Saturday at 6.30, it's our favorite. It's the CW Network game. Georgia Tech is plus four going to Wake Forest, who had to really scramble to get out of Norfolk with a win against ODU, which I believe I also had on the last episode. No big deal. (laughs) Georgia Tech has given up some really big chunk plays this year, both to Louisville and last weekend to Ole Miss, but they've settled down. Haynes King's been playing well. I like Georgia Tech in this game, maybe to win outright, but I think if you give me four points, I'll take the four points. Yeah. First of all, I have a bone to pick with the CW. Couldn't watch the NC State game this past week without doing some internet finagling because it's just not available on YouTube TV. It's like hard to find these games. When get they're on get the a CW. cable subscription, man. No, it's fine. I'm not. That... Get a load of Gen Z over here. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, uh, very few people are going to be able to actually watch this game, but that's good because very few people want to watch this game. Tough to call, right? I'm still a little unsure. Wake Forest is one of the teams in the ACC that I feel the least confident that I know how good they are. But I also kind of like Georgia Tech here. I expect this to come down to the wire either way. Last game of the day for the ACC. Saturday at 8, ACC Network. Taylor Tannenbaum will be there covering the game. UNC is traveling to Pitt. UNC is an eight-point favorite. And I just have to quote Beanie Bishop, defensive back from West Virginia after beating Pitt, about your boy, Phil Jerkovich. Quote, we knew he wasn't too good at his job. (laughs) 
Awesome. Awesome quote. And yet, Pat Narduzzi, not going to start the coveted young whippersnapper Christian Villeneuve. Yeah. He's going to stick with his guns. I don't want to get too far into this today. Maybe this is for a later day, but um, we got to start having a conversation at some point about Pat Narduzzi's arrogance and it's pretty high where it comes from. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but he hasn't been like that successful. He's he's been good. Like obviously, like they were really good last year. They or, had Kenny Pickett, yeah, with Kenny Pickett. But um, it's like two years ago. But like he hasn't been as good to talk the way that he does. That was not a great sentence, but he hasn't <laughs> been so good that he can just like fire off some of what he says. And it's just kind of like, nah, I would never bench this quarterback. We're going to be good. Basically. Like it's, it's more about, for me, it's like when uh tech coaches talk about like lunch pail mentality yeah. and you're like, you're just playing up to your fan base. Like, you, you know, come yeah. on, that's coach speak. That's what I think Phil Narduzzi is doing. Or- Pat Narduzzi is doing. Sure. He's really just talking to a bunch of fans who are super arrogant. They're all Steelers fans. They're all Penguins fans. They're all super arrogant. Absolutely. So he's just trying to like embody that. And Carolina looked better against Minnesota than I expected them to. Um, This pit defense is tough. I think it's going to be a a hard fought game, but as much as it pains me to say, I think Carolina covers the eight points. I'm going to take Pitt randomly. Just, I think like this is the kind of game that Pat Narduzzi He's not a perfect coach. They haven't had the success that's like great, but as an underdog at home, he is really stinking good. Yeah. I, I'm going to take the eight points. I think it'll just be like a yucky, disgusting yeah, game. Narduz it up. So those are the ACC games. Talk about a couple of top 25 games real quick. One game I w- didn't put on your list, but just want to talk about. Michigan and Rutgers opening Saturday at noon. Other than the Florida State-Clemson game, there aren't as many good noon games. Most of the games are later in the day. But this yeah. one's pretty good. Michigan, I don't know. I feel like they're just not playing that well so far out of well, the gate. Maybe they just need Jim Harbaugh there to be like, hey, everybody drink your milk. So here we go. So here he's back. He's the return back. of the khakis. They'll but, be fine. But Rutgers 3-0 and against the spread. Michigan 0-3 against the spread. What 24 was that line points. Again? 24? 24. I'm going to take Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I've learned over the years is like when McGraw starts talking about like, well, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure he's going to go the opposite direction. Got a zig when everyone's zagging. That's right. He's zigging all over the place. Yeah. Good for Rutgers, though. They're playing pretty well for themselves. Yeah. I, you know, Greg Shiano. Never done anything wrong. Oh, God. Uh, Saturday at 3.30. Colorado, America's team traveling yeah. to Oregon. Uh-huh. This will be their first like big test. I think this week and the next week will be two of the most watched games of the year. Oregon is favored by 21 points. Too big. I also think that's too big. And this is one of those where I'm like, the smell test doesn't hold up for me. And I would say, go Oregon. But I'm not betting this game, man. Oh, I'm not betting it either. But Coach Prime is not losing by three touchdowns. I could see them doing that in this game, but I'm not going to bet it. No. He might be listening. I'm, he might be getting receipts on this conversation believe, right now. I believe. I am under the impression that he is listening, so I believe. The over-under is 71 points. Yeah. I, I want the over. It's gonna I be really a, want the It's going to be a lot of points. It's going to be a lot of points in this game, and I just can't imagine. It's hard for me to imagine Colorado losing by three touchdowns. Bo Nix, I don't know. I just feel like we're being lulled into a sense of security with him that, like, 
it's about time for him to start making some mistakes again and give me Colorado to cover that. I'm not saying Colorado to win. I'm not that bold, tempted, but Colorado to cover, absolutely. I kind of want to put Colorado in like a super teaser and just mm. have them have 31 points. Yeah. Do you really think they're going to lose by 31? They're definitely not going to do that. See? Then might as well do it. Yeah. Saturday, 3.30, two other Pac-12 teams, at least for now. UCLA at Utah. UCLA is a four-point underdog. Game will be on Fox. This is my smelly line of the week. <laughs> Insert some uh, soundboard thing that I haven't created yet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Cam Rising, quarterback of Utah, is trending towards finally getting back and playing for the first time. Utah ranks second in the country in defensive third down percentage. And you know how Oklahoma State's been playing three quarterbacks and Alabama's been like uh, kind of indecisive yeah. and playing some other quarterbacks. UCLA played five quarterbacks last week. Five. On purpose? On purpose. And Chip Kelly says he's not going to make a decision and he's just going to keep doing this carousel thing. Five quarterbacks. Why is the line four points at Utah? Why? Well... You get a point for each quarterback, so <laughs> that's five right there. Therefore, yeah, this line smells so. So, based on prior established logic, you're picking UCLA. Yeah, I <laughs> want to. I don't know if I'm actually going to do it. That's my lean here. But Utah at home is so good, and they're yeah. getting their best player back. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm real tempted to pick UCLA. I think I'm not going to bet until I get a official word that Cam Rising is playing one way or the other. Yeah, but then I think the line's going to move. Maybe. But I am with you, and I think – well, I'm not with you on being tempted to bet UCLA. I don't know. But this kind of feels like the Tennessee game last week, which did not work out for me. Yeah, so. it just seems real easy, right? Utah's so good at home, getting their yeah. best player back. I don't know. I probably still will bet Utah here. Okay. Saturday at 3.30 on CBS, Alabama, franchise that has just fallen completely apart. Yeah. This would be, if they were to lose to Ole Miss, this would be the first year since 2007 that Alabama has lost multiple home games in a year. Here's an interesting stat about the USF game from last week. Bama had 16 first downs. USF had 14 that's how close it was. It was not until a trash didn't need to do it touchdown to make it a two-score game at the last minute of the game for Alabama. I love Alabama in this game. Absolutely. Six and a half points. Jalen Milrow is going to be the starter again. There is no reason for Alabama to have this level of confidence at all. Ole Miss has yeah. been playing well. Lock it up. Give me Bama. Roll damn tide. Run the damn ball. Call up Paul Feinbaum. Let's go. So Alabama out of the top 10 for the first time since 2015. Talking 128 straight polls that they were in the top 10 and now they're number 13. Lucky 13. That's right. I don't envy Ole Miss. This is like Clemson with Florida State. I feel like they're sitting there like, this is a pissed off Alabama team, even though they won. This is a pissed off Nick Saban. I like Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss to win mm. in Tuscaloosa. Give it to me. Love it. Lane Kiffin for president. <laughs> this thing's over already. Ole Miss wins. They're going to have to be real careful about where Lane Kiffin goes, wandering around the Alabama nope. campus. He knows, all the, he knows all the stomping grounds. Just let it Pete happen. Golding, former defensive coordinator, also at Bama. Yeah. 
Nick Saban's 28-3 against former assistants. Give me Bama. Saturday, 7 o'clock, Oregon State. A two-and-a-half-point favorite at Wazoo, the Island of Misfit Toys game. Yeah. Two teams that nobody wanted. Here they are. I have to say, though, that the Wazoo 50-24 win against Colorado State looks a lot better from week one. Yeah. Like, that looks a little bit more impressive. But uh, I'm going to take Oregon State here. I think they have the better offensive line and the better defensive line. Uh, They are only allowing 2.4 yards per rush. And I think Oregon State's just better at protecting the quarterback. Give me DJU. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he's playing really well. And I think with that defense, kind of they're, they're good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I like Oregon State here as well. I think Cam Ward for Washington State is a big-time playmaker. And, and this has the potential to be a real test for Oregon State. But I think they... Um, you know, just you have a lot of, of talent on that team that experienced some success last year. And I, I think Oregon State wins this game. Go Beavs. I think they cover two and a half. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I like I'm actually looking forward to this game more than the next game, which is almost in the same time slot, which is 730 Ohio State at Notre Dame on NBC. Currently, Ohio State is a three and a half point favorite. Ohio State's last loss against Notre Dame in South Bend was in 1936, which was a 7-2 to two bloodbath. <laughs> so they are looking to keep that streak going. I kind of feel like Ohio State has just been, again, not playing all that well. There were questions about Kyle McCord at quarterback. And then last week, they really figured it out against Western Kentucky. Notre Dame's getting a lot of people back who have been injured, but I'm going to take Ohio State here. I, I hope that the line goes under three, though. I think mm-hmm. it, it will be a really, really close game, and I could see Sam Hartman playing really well, but I like Ohio State. I think they have the more talent on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think this is actually our like annual back-to-reality game for Notre Dame, where we're like, oh, Notre Dame's so good, and then Ohio State's going to run them out of the stadium. I just think that uh, they found a rhythm, granted against Western Kentucky, but still, sometimes those games are really important for inexperienced quarterbacks especially to be able to establish a rhythm with very talented receiving group as we know great running back in Travion Henderson playmakers on defense as well yeah I I like Ohio State here to easily cover and plus Notre Dame's playing in a look-ahead game with their big game at Duke next weekend which if they win college game day could be there that's right (laughs) lastly last game of the day for us Saturday 7 30 Iowa plus 14 and a half traveling to Penn State with a 41 point performance from Iowa in the last game. They now no longer need to get 25 points in any of their remaining games for Brian Ferentz to meet his contractual goal. They can get 24 in every game remaining in for the rest of the season and they will meet it. I think Iowa will cover 14 and a half points, even though I loved what I've seen from Penn State so far. I think that that game against Illinois last week would have been a lot closer. They were had trouble finishing drives. Illinois turned the ball over four times. There were four picks. And, yes, the defense gets credit for that. But I think that would have been a real close game if they don't have those turnovers. So I like Iowa plus the points. I don't know if they can win in a whiteout environment, but give me the points. I love this Penn State team. I'm a big believer in what they got going on. It is a lot of points in a game involving Iowa where margins tend to be relatively thin. If it were not at Penn State, 
I would feel better about Iowa here. I like Penn State to cover this. Um, I think they win by 17 or so. That'll be an interesting game at the end of the day. Also, yeah. probably a defensive battle, probably yeah. like a 17-7 game from my perspective. So yeah, give me I that. Could, I could see that, but I think it'll be more like 24-7. Any other games catch your fancy? Not really. We covered everything I had on my list. Very cool. Well, I'm excited for this week. Should be one of the best weeks of college football in the regular season in some time. So looking forward to it. If you have any picks, you can post them on the Sabres message boards. We read those every single day. Or you can reach us on social media at PWOPod and email the show at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. Good luck on Friday. I hope your team uh, does not win and then next week's show is great. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be. I mean, are you really going to like feel good about bragging about a win over UVA, though? It, it, this yeah. is all one-sided. You can do whatever you want, but I just I'm going like... to feel good about bragging over my team beating your team. Okay, but that's, like, that's what cool. Uh, here's my reaction. No, cool. Look at you. You're already like. I, I'm just saying, yeah. there's no chance you that have, UVA would yeah. ever win this game. Yeah. Made it personal. Yeah. Thank you.